Well, good morning, church. How's everybody doing today? Good. Hallelujah. It's, it's fun to see everybody in their Easter fits. This is my, my once-a-year Easter shirt, um, so you won't catch me in this on the streets, but, but I broke it out for you guys today. Everybody looks, looks so nice in their pastels, in their Easter fits. Anybody excited to eat some crawfish today? If you did not get the word, we will be eating crawfish. Uh, we actually need you to stay and eat these crawfish because we bought a lot of crawfish, all right? So if you had other plans, go ahead and cancel those and uh, plan to, to eat some crawfish with us. We'll have an Easter egg hunt for the kids. It's always fun just watching them pummel, pummel each other for, uh, for some candy. Um, if you're a guest with us this morning, I know on Easter, uh, it's, it's often that we have people come just to visit. Maybe you're here visiting family. Maybe um, you don't go to church regularly, but this was a Sunday that you were interest, interested to come and worship. We just want to say we're so glad you're here. Uh, we're just thankful, thankful that you'd come and spend time with us. We hope that um, it feels like home. We hope that you meet some great people. That's one thing that people always say about our church is that people are just so friendly. And so I hope that's true for you today, that you meet some friendly people. And it's not just that we're friendly, it's that God's changed our life. And so we can't help but love everyone we come into contact with. And so, um, so enjoy yourself, crawfish on us. And um, hey, as we jump in, um, I know this is like classic preacher um, thing to say, but like my message is short. I actually timed it. I actually went through it and timed it. I know it's going to be a little longer real, live, but uh, all that to say, the kids are in here, as you can see. We're having a family worship morning today, and so we have some activities for them. If you have a child that uh, is just not feeling it, all right, if, if they're having trouble maintaining some level, we're not asking for perfection, but if your child's having trouble maintaining some level of peace, we have a room set up for you with your child, all right? What room is it, Kimmy? 139, so it's down on the right, and the live stream is set up. We have it live streamed back there, all right? Got some activities for the kids, so if you need to take advantage of that, please feel free, but... Um, I'm going to be on this microphone for 15 minutes. Y'all start your timer. No, we can't commit to that. The Holy Spirit's got to lead us. Amen? I love um, this time of year or Christmas just having conversations with our kids about the significance of these holidays, these moments. And um, I, I overheard a conversation that Lena was having with Banner, our, uh, our three-year-old. I just want to share it with you. So... Uh, Lena was talking to Banner just about the crucifixion and le letting him know that Jesus actually died. And, and Banner looks up at, at Lena with big tears in his eyes, and he says, who's going to take care of me? And, and, and so, so Lena proceeds and, and, and tells him the end of the story, which is the good news, that he's actually he's alive again, right? He, he got back up. And... Uh, and Banner, of course, is excited to, to hear that. And, um, and, and this is his question, how did he get alive, right? Valid question. And uh, how did he get alive? I love how he worded that. 
Um, and so Lena explains to him that he beat, he beat the bad guy and he beat death, right? And, um, and, and so, so Banner, the obvious next question is, well, did Davy Crockett kill Jesus? <laughs> that, 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 that was his question. And so we proceeded to give him some, some theology 101 about, you know, there, there was a fall and now there's a real enemy and his, his name is Satan. And, and so we walked him through that. And um, I, I, I shared that just to make you laugh for a moment, but also because I shared a similar story last year with another one of my children. And these stories are to encourage you that even the pastor's kids don't really know the Bible. So if your kids don't really know the Bible, if you have kids and they're struggling to understand, you know, just the basic stories, hey, you're in good company. Can I get an amen? Hey, today we are wrapping up. Holy Week on the Christian calendar, and um, did you guys enjoy those readings that that were shared with us? The kids did an incredible job, and um, and then we had the three readings that kind of walked us through this weekend, Holy Weekend, what happened two thousand years ago, and um, our Good Friday reading looked at the day Jesus was crucified. Now, on the Hebrew calendar, Friday is the sixth day of the week. Track with me here. We know from the Genesis account that this is the day that God breathed life into humanity, right? So the sixth day is both the day that Adam took his first breath and Jesus breathed his last. Saturday is Holy Saturday, and on the Hebrew calendar, it's the seventh day, right? The seventh day is the day God rested from his work, and it's also the day that Jesus' body rested in the grave. Sunday is the first day of the week. This is the day God created light and the day that Jesus rose from the dead. The Bible tells us that the time of resurrection is right at the moment of dawn as Saturday became Sunday, the first day of the week. At this moment is the moment Jesus, the light of the world, rises from the dead and brings a new light to creation. Amen. A new light that brings new hope and new promises, the restoration of all that which was lost. To look a little deeper on Friday, at the moment when Jesus breathes his last, it says the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. This this curtain that separated people from God's presence is torn from top to bottom. This was to signify that that through the death of God's son, there's no longer any divide between God and humanity. Amen? We actually know a lot about this curtain. For one, it was huge. People say that it was probably 100 feet wide, 60 feet tall. It was at least several inches thick. It would take hundreds of priests to move this curtain. On the front, there was cherubim embroidered on the front. These are these huge winged angel creatures. The image on this curtain represents the cherubim that were placed outside the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve forfeited their intimacy with God to go their own way. So God placed cherubim, these crazy angel creatures, outside of the garden so that people could not get back in. Why? Because if we got back in, we'd eat of the tree of life and be stuck in our brokenness forever. God did not want that. So it was this image that was torn down the middle. 
at the moment Jesus died, as if it was God the Father shouting, everything that I once shared with humanity in the garden is no longer off limits. It is here again. When Mary is standing outside of the empty tomb, weeping, turning to head home, she's confronted by the risen Lord. But she doesn't recognize him. Why? Because he appears to her as a gardener. The reality of the garden is here again. Amen? When what was lost in Adam has been regained in Christ. Come on, somebody. In the garden, listen, there was no sickness. There was no addiction. There was no lack. There was no death. There was no brokenness. There was no sadness. There was no depression. There was no anxiety. There was no weariness, hopelessness, or despair. There was no loneliness, isolation, or fear. Now listen to me. When Jesus came and lived a sinless life and then died a criminal's death and then rose victoriously from the grave, he gained for you and for me uh, access into this new creation that is to build upon that which was in the garden. Are you with me? This is what Jesus accomplished for us 2,000 years ago. It's complete victory over sin and death. Amen? It's total access into God's presence and power. Amen? If you've just known this story as just a historical story, man, I'm excited for you this morning. Because how much more does God have for you? Total access into the presence of the living God. Complete victory over sin and death. That is available for you and for me today. Amen? Not just when we go to heaven. But here and now, can I get a witness? Is anybody with me this morning? This is what he purchased for us. I don't know about you, but I want more of that in my life. I want more of that in my life. I feel like I've just tasted just a sample of it. I want more of his resurrection power in my life. I want more victory over sin. Right? I, I, I want more victory over, over the, the places in my life where I get stuck. So the question for you and for me this morning is, is, if this is what he paid for, then how do I access it fully? If, if this is actually what the cost was for the Son of God to come and die and suffer and then conquer death to give you and me access back into this garden reality, what, what does it take for me to fully access it? Paul writes to the church in Philippi and gives us this look into how to access it. It should be on the screen. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. It says this, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. So Paul is, is shouting right there with us. I want more of that. Amen. I want more of, the, of his resurrection power in my life. And he goes on to say, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. So the order is very clear in this passage. Resurrection comes through death. 
And we know that to be true. You can't have resurrection without death. Paul says, I want to suffer with him, share in his death so I can experience resurrection. When Jesus was on the scene, he would make statements like this. You'll probably recognize these. If you want to find your life, then what? Lose it for my sake. If anyone wants to be my follower, you must take up your daily, your cross daily. So, of course, Jesus, these statements are, are metaphorical statements, but it leaves us asking what is death in this life without physically dying? What, is, what does that actually mean? Well, in this passage, Paul equates it to suffering. Paul equates it to suffering. Again, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10, it'll be on the screen for you to follow along. Watch this. Through suffering... Our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life, that is the resurrected life of Jesus, may also be seen in our bodies. So we see that suffering is both the place of resurrection and the pathway to resurrection. Can I just say it like this? Suffering always attracts God's power. Did you know that? Throughout the scriptures, his presence and his power is always near to those who are brokenhearted. He has rich promises for those who are oppressed and those who are broken. So suffering is the place of resurrection. It's also the pathway to resurrection. See, suffering, and I know you're with me on this, suffering in my life has a way of, of humbling me. Anybody with me? Suffering has a way of humbling us and getting us to the end of ourselves so we can be fully dependent on His power and not on our own strength, not on our own abilities. So we understand now that, that this place of suffering it's both the, the, the place of his resurrection, in other words, a target for his resurrection power. When he sees suffering, he sends resurrection power. And also suffering is the pathway through which we get humble and desperate and dependent. And we realize my strength ain't going to cut it. I need something bigger. I need something more powerful. And that's where his resurrection power and life and breakthrough is available. I'm preaching way better than y'all are listening right now. That's all right. If you're here this morning, and either in a big way or a small way, you are suffering, this is really good news for you. Resurrection is just around the corner. Of course, y'all, we understand a life of faith is, is, is not... It doesn't promise that everything's going to be easy and perfect. Are you, we agree on that. But a life of faith is our access back into the garden. And if that's what the scriptures promise, then we must hold on until that becomes our reality more and more and more each day. We should expect resurrection life in every part of our lives. Amen. Any place that's been marked by death, sickness, 
brokenness, we should expect the life and power of Jesus to be displayed in those places. And when it comes, the breakthrough comes, the healing comes, we rejoice. When it doesn't come when we want it to or like we want it to, we also rejoice, knowing that we are in that moment sharing in his death, becoming more dependent on his power because death has been defeated. Glory is just around the corner. As we wrap up, I want to read one more verse that illustrates this well. Avery, you can jump up here. 1 Peter chapter 2, this is in the message translation, verse 21, says this, This is the kind of life you've been invited into, the kind of life Christ lived. He suffered everything that came his way so you would know that it could be done and also know how to do it step by step step. Jesus taught us how to live life well. He showed us how to live life well. He called it the abundant life. He invites you and me into it to experience the fullness of resurrection just like he did. It's not a story to read about. It's a promise to experience. Do you understand? If you're here today and you've been living life on your own strength, you've been living life on your own abilities, Jesus is actually here in this room. It's not coincidence you're here this morning. Jesus is here in this room and he set this up for you. He wants to show you how to really live step by step. He wants to be your best friend. He wants to be your life source. He wants to be your rock and your refuge, the one that you can count on, the one that you can cling to and call out to. He's the one our hearts crave. He's the one our souls were made for. On this side of heaven, there's always going to be some level of suffering. But when we live a life of faith in Jesus, walking with him personally and intimately, you will see how the garden life he designed us for is real. And it's here and it's available for us. If that's you and you find yourself here this morning feeling distant from God, feeling far from God. I want to pray with you. Can we all stand together? The Bible in it that is mentioned often is this word surrender. This word surrender and we all must come to a place of surrender with Jesus. It's simply an acknowledgement of God 
without you, I'm dead. See, did, did you know that God, he didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. And we all need to get to a place where we understand and admit that God, without you, I'm dead. God, without you, I don't stand a chance. God, without you, I'm broken and sinful. I don't know the way. We have to get to this place of surrender, and it doesn't mean that once you've surrendered, you've got it all figured out, and you won't ever sin again. No, 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 the surrender is just the start of the journey with Jesus, where we can begin to know him personally and intimately, and and every part of our life can start to experience these encounters with resurrection. I'm standing before you today as a man who has encountered resurrection. The things I once struggled with, the the chains that held me down, the addictions that held me down, those chains have been broken. Why? Because I'm a really spiritual person or because I pray a lot or I read? No, no, no. It's by his grace. It's because I took him at his word and said, okay, Jesus, I'll walk with you intimately. Okay, Jesus, I'll surrender my whole life and do whatever you say. And guess what? He met me in that place. He set me free. He made me new. He healed my mind. He healed my heart. He broke off the shame off my life. It's his resurrection. He's conquered sin and death. And he invites you into it with him. There's many in this room who have similar stories and testimonies of God's power and grace. And if that's you and you're in this place and you say, man, I'm not there, I need that. It's through surrender. It's through a surrender admitting, God, I'm dead without you. I wanna lead you in a prayer. Can we pray together? If you're ready to surrender, pray a simple prayer authentically from your heart. Let him know. Say, Jesus, I'm dead without you. I'm tired of going my own way. I need a savior. I need a rescuer. I need resurrection life. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you rose on the third day. I confess that I'm a sinner and I need you to save me. Now, if you prayed that prayer and you are making a step of surrender in your heart, the Bible says that you've just become a child of God. You've been knit in to his family. The Bible also says that all of heaven rejoices when one person comes back to the Father. So church family, can we just rejoice right now for anyone in this room who took a step of surrender? I wanna open up the altar for prayer. If you're taking a step of surrender, we would love to pray with you and believe for the Holy Spirit to come and fill you with his presence, with his power. We need power for the journey, amen? There's suffering ahead. There's hardship ahead. 
We need power to walk with him. It's one thing to get free. It's another thing to stay free. We need the power of God to live this life. So if you're at that point in this, in this moment where you're saying, hey, this is legit. I'm surrendering today. Let us pray with you, please. Let us pray with you and invite the Holy Spirit to impart power into your life. If you're here this morning and you are a follower of Jesus, but you would say, I want more of God. I want to access more of resurrection in my life. Yes, I, I'm following Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm walking with him, but I need more power. I have bondage in my life. I have addiction in my life. I have shame in my life. Hey, look, take advantage of the faith in this room on Easter Sunday because we are here to agree with you that Jesus is alive and he has everything you need today. Amen. My prayer team, come forward, please. We want to pray with you in these final minutes. Prayer team, come up. We're just going to file in along the back. As we sing this last song, we're believing for miracles in your life. We're believing for breakthrough in your life. It's what he paid for. He's handing us a blank check saying, how much do you want? How much miracles? How many miracles? How much breakthrough? How much of my presence do you want? We can just line up along the back team. So, Father, we love you. We come to you as your children today, asking for a miracle. We come to you today, believing in faith for breakthrough in our lives. Every chain that was carried in, in here, I thank you that it will not be carried out in Jesus' name. Every addiction that was carried in here, it will not be carried out in Jesus' name. Every lie of shame and self-hatred, I say it will not be carried out of here. In Jesus' name, we lay it down at your feet. Come, Holy Spirit, and set us free. Make us new. Fill us with resurrection life. Come now. If, you, if God's stirring in you, come now and ask for prayer. Come now to this team behind me. Come now and ask for prayer. There's faith in this room for a miracle. There's faith in this room for breakthrough. Don't leave here the same way you came in. God is here to set you free and to give you new life and new power to walk free and walk new. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.